If you have a copy of God's Word nearby, if you could grab it, that could even be on your phone. Uh, Turn with us to Judges chapter 16. We are nearing our study, the end of our study, through the book of Judges. And we started, we've been in looking at Samson for uh, a few weeks now, and there's a reason for that. He uh, takes up four chapters in the book of Judges. Uh, Samson is the last judge. And as we've seen, Judges is a downward spiral of sorts. And so Samson is the last judge, and he's also the worst judge in the book. And this morning we reach the last scene, or the last episode, if you will, of Samson's life. And it's a well-known, famous episode, at least the names are. Even if you don't know the story, most likely you have heard the names Samson and Delilah. That is the passage that we find ourselves in this morning. I'll start in the middle of the chapter, of chapter 16, verses 15 and following. This is God's word. And she, being Delilah, said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You've mocked me these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed hard, I pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. And he told her all his heart and said to her, A razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the, Phil- the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up again, for he has told me all his heart. And then the lord of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees, and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to rejoice. And they said, Our god has given Samson, our enemy, into our hands. And when the people saw him, they praised their god. For they said, Our god has given our enemy into our hand, the ravager of our country the one who has killed many of us. And when, the hearts, and, and when their hearts were merry, they said, Call Samson, that he may entertain us. And so they called Samson out of the prison, and he entertained them. They made him stand between the pillars. And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, Let me fill the pillars on which the house rests, that I might lean against them. And the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. And on the roof, there were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. 
And then Samson called out to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me. Please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may avenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested. And he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. And so the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. Then his brothers and all his family came, came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Esteol in the tomb of Manoah his father. He had judged Israel 20 years. This is God's word. Let me pray. Let's ask God to come through his spirit and to help us with this passage. Let's pray together. Father, we have prayed earlier uh, that this time of year and heading into the holidays, um, we're in lots of different places. Some of us have just had great visits with family. Some of us um, have had very hard times with families this week. Some of us are exhausted. Others of us are grieving because this reminds us of loss. And so I pray that you would come and help us. Lord, I pray that you would use your word through your spirit to revive our souls. We need a word from the outside this morning. We need to hear from you. And so wake us up, clear our minds, help us to engage in the scriptures, and work through your spirit to change us, convict us, but more than anything, show us how good the gospel is. Show us how good you are and how good Jesus is. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So we've been studying the book of Judges this fall. And one of the things I like to say when we talk about studying the Bible and books of the Bible. And one of the things that you can actually use in your own personal Bible study. And we've tried to use uh, this fall as we've gone through this book. Is anytime you look at a passage, um, two Just questions that you can ask as you're reading the Bible are these. What does the passage that you are reading and studying say about you and who you are? What is it to reveal? How is it a mirror that reflects back on your own heart? And the other question is, is what is the passage you're looking at? What does it say about who God is and about his character? And we've kind of done that throughout our series this fall. Uh, We've looked and seen how these passages are a mirror that reflect back on our own corrupted hearts and lives. But they also have shown us something about the amazing character of God. They've helped us see him more clearly. And in this story of Samson, this final episode of his life, once again, I want us to just ask this question. How does this passage show us what God is really like? And it shows us what God is like in two ways. It shows us one that God abandons the self-reliant. God abandons the self-sufficient. Secondly, though, we see that he responds and is actually moved by the cry, the desperate cry of the needy. So let's look at those two things. Number one, 
God abandons the cry of the self-sufficient. I didn't include the whole story uh, in your bulletin, uh, so let me fill in some gaps for you. Samson, as he's done in all the other chapters, he meets a woman. And this woman, her name is Delilah. She's a Philistine woman. And uh, the Philistines try to get to Samson through going through Delilah. And they basically bribe her and say, if you get Samson to tell the secrets of his strength, then we'll make you famous in the land of the Philistines. Not only that, we'll make you wealthy. We'll give you lots of money. You tell us the secret to his strength, we'll capture him and kill him. And that's exactly what happens. Samson is in love with Delilah. He's obsessed with her. He can't live without her. He'll do anything for her. And out of fear of losing her, look at verse 17, he caves. And he tells her the secret of his strength, which is his hair. But I want you to look at verse 20. He doesn't really believe that. He doesn't really believe that. Look at verse 20. Look very closely, at least under the surface here. Delilah cuts off his hair. He wakes up. He knows his hair is gone. And look at what he says in verse 20. Very revealing, isn't it? Look closely. I'll go out, just like I've gone out and every other time, and God will shake me free. Is that what it says? I'll go out and shake myself free. See what that tells you, see what that tells you, don't you? He didn't really believe that the hair and the vow that he had made was the source of his strength. He had come to believe throughout the course of his life that the source of his strength was him. He was invincible in his eyes. And Samson says, I can live however I want, and I will not lose my strength. Verse 20, again. Look at what else we learn. This might be the most frightening verse in all of the scriptures. Samson did not know. He went out, I'm going to shake myself free. He did not know that the Lord had left him. The Lord leaves him withdraws from him. Look at verses, or in chapters 15 and, and 14 and 15, it's interesting, you see the contrast that the writer is setting up in 14 and 15, and those both close with Samson depending on the Spirit and God sustaining him with this Spirit. Chapter 16 ends very differently. Samson is self-sufficient and God deserts him. God up until this point, has been so patient. And now Samson thinks he's invincible. And we see God actually pull away. Think about it. Samson has been breaking Nazarite's vows all along the way, pushing against what God had called him to, wanting to do his own thing, wanting to be independent, wanting, wanting his uh, autonomy. And here we see God finally lets Samson have what he has been wanting all along. You want life away from me? Well, you got it. It reminded me of a story that I heard many years ago about a 63-year-old accountant in London, England, who we could say was short-sighted, a little bit like Samson, and self-sufficient. This man knew he needed bladder surgery, 
And he hated doctors and hated hospitals. And so as one news agency reports, he depended upon himself to do what he should have depended on someone else to do for him. He basically was saying, I'm invincible. I've got this. I don't need anyone. And leaning on his own self-sufficiency, he tried to perform bladder surgery on himself. Tragically, he got an infection from his own operation and died several weeks later. That's a picture of Samson. Look at what happens to Samson. He finally gets what he wants. He's broken all these vows all along the way. He finally gets what he wants, independence, freedom, a life apart from God, and then it all starts to shift. Look at verse 21. The Philistines finally capture him. He has no power now. They gouge out his eyeballs. They chain him up like an animal. And they force him to do manual labor at the prison. The height of his game. And he could not be touched in his eyes. And now he is as low as he could possibly get. He had lived by sight his whole life. Now he was blinded and he's a mockery. They are using Samson, look at verse 23 through 25. They are using him for their own entertainment. Here's the question, so what? What's this have to do with us? What's the application for us this morning? I want you to think about this. The more God blessed Samson, the more he showed up and gave Samson strength, the more Samson grew self-sufficient the more Samson forgot about God. And it tells us a very uh, important principle that I think that we see here, and it's this. Success is often very hard on us spiritually. Success is often very hard on us spiritually. What we see here is that God is often merciful. God is often merciful when He restrains us Because he knows if he gives us what our hearts desire, that it will kill us. That it will end up destroying us. God knows that the worst thing that he could do for us is to give us what our idolatrous hearts really want. That's true, isn't it? Think about the most successful people in the world. Do those tend to be the people that are closest to God or the furthest away from God? Not always, but think about the most successful people in the world. They tend to be the people that are the most miserable and the furthest away from God. Why? Because they don't need anything. And I think that is a wake-up call for us in Over the Mountain Birmingham. Listen, God gives us great gifts and they're meant for us to be enjoyed. But by the world standards, over the mountain Birmingham is extremely successful. But I think with that success, and with God's blessings of strength, let's say if we compare it to Samson, comes also with it a great danger. And that great danger, friends, for us in over the mountain Birmingham is this. This community, success and wealth, and this community means that we are tailor, it's tailor-made to keep you away from Jesus. 
Why? Because we don't need anything. And if we want something, we simply go out and get it. And you see here with Samson, we often can say with him, and this is exactly where Samson was, I can't be defeated. I can live the way I want to live. I got this. And most of us have never failed at anything. If we've wanted a job, we've gotten the job. We've won the interview. We've gotten the grade. We've always got, succeeded and got it all. And so the tendency, not always, hear me, but the tendency is to say, I got this. I'm smart enough. I'm strong enough and savvy enough. And I'm so good with people. I'm self-sufficient. Two things for us to consider very specifically, and that's these two things, and we'll move on to the second point. Is it possible that God might be keeping something from you this morning because He loves you? Is it possible that God may not be answering a prayer that you've prayed for a very long time? Because he actually really loves you. It's not because he's holding out on you. But because he actually really loves you. Because he knows that if you actually got the thing that you so desperately wanted. That it would destroy you. So could God be holding out on you. And not answering a prayer that you pray every day. Because he really loves you. You start to think about it that way. And it actually changes the way you pray. Doesn't it? But secondly, think about Samson. Samson was unable to see that he was completely dependent upon the grace of God. He was unable to see that. He had come to see that God's presence and God's power and God's strength was a right. He had come to see, think about him walking out after waking up. I got this. I'm just going to do what I always do. I'm going to shake myself free. See, he assumed and presumed upon the grace of God and the strength of God. He thought he was entitled to it. And instead, it is a gift. I said this at the Thanksgiving service if you were here, but I'm going to say something similar. God has been really good to this church. God gave you a pastor in Alan Carter for 30 years that gave his life for you. That's a good gift. Pastoral transitions, historically looked throughout church history, they don't go well. For whatever reason, God in his grace, I feel like this transition's gone fairly well. Thanks be to God. We've got new people. We've got... People like you that God is raising up a spirit of generosity within our church. And, give, and blessed, he has uh, poured out his blessings on us uh, in terms of giving. We have been blessed more than we could possibly imagine. And I think there's a call here. Let us never forget that none of those things are something that we're entitled to. They're not a right. They are a gift. They are a gift of God's mercy. And as we move into 2019 and into a building program, we must always, always, and this includes me, let's always encourage one another to have a posture of thanksgiving. 
A posture that falls down on our knees and thinks, thanks God for the good gifts and the good things that He has done. So God abandons the self-reliant, but if, you could, if, you, if you've been coming and following along in the series, there's a problem, isn't there? This is the first time in the book of Judges that one of God's judges have been defeated. Completely helpless, worthless, in prison, but it's exactly where God wants Samson. Because God loves to use weak people who are helpless. And that leads to our second point. Something else we discover about God is God loves desperation. He loves people that cry out that actually are needy and weak and helpless. So that leads to our second point. And here we see the second time that on record that we see Samson actually pray. And if you look at verse 28, it's interesting how he addresses God. Anytime in your Bible that you see the Lord in all caps, that is the covenant name. That's marking the covenant uh, personal name of God. And that's the name God uh, Samson uses when he cries out and prays. And what does he ask for? He asks for two things. And the first one is this. See a very different Samson here. Very different than the Samson we've seen in chapters 13, 14, and 15 and the first half of 16. He cries out for two things and he asks God to remember him. He asks God to remember him. He starts to show some humility. Samson realizes that he's forgettable and that God has every right to ignore him. And he cries out for mercy. But secondly, he asks for strength. For the first time in his life, he is helpless and acknowledges that he's depending upon God for strength. Again, a very different Samson. Not an entitled Samson here, but a humbled Samson who admits his weakness and his desperation and admits that he's needy. And isn't it interesting? Once he is weak, once he is desperate, and blind. It's then and only then that he begins to see God clearly. Did you notice that? It's then and only then that he starts to see God clearly. This is actually Samson demonstrating true faith. He's demonstrating faith here, which is why Samson shows up again in the Bible. Samson was the worst judge. And he shows up in Hebrews chapter 11 in the hall of faith as it's called. Why? Because faith is simply coming to God empty-handed and desperately grabbing onto Him when you have nothing else to grab onto. That's what faith is. And so He cries out this prayer of faith and God shows up. He's blind, He can't see, He grabs these two supports and He pushes them and the temple comes crashing down and it kills everyone in the temple including Samson. And here's what this means. It means that God's acceptance of you, this is one of the things we learn from this, and you think about the whole story, has nothing to do with how good you are. God's acceptance of you, think about Samson, has nothing to do either with how bad you are, but it has everything to do with your willingness to ask for help. Your willingness to admit that you need mercy. 
And everything I've just said will make no sense unless you see that the story of Samson is ultimately the story of Jesus, isn't it? Did you notice the parallels all throughout the story of Samson? Just like Samson, Jesus was set apart by God to deliver his people. Like Samson, Jesus was empowered with the Holy Spirit. Like Samson, who at the end of his life was betrayed by someone close to him in Delilah. Jesus was betrayed by Judas, someone who was very close to him. Like Samson, Jesus was also mocked for entertainment. Like Samson, Jesus, in a sense, was chained up and bound and tortured. Samson was blinded. Jesus was blindfolded. Samson gets crushed under a temple. Jesus gets crushed under the enormous weight of the wrath of God for our sin pouring out on him. Samson delivers his people through death, and Jesus delivers you through death. Why does that matter? What difference does that make right now for you sitting here? Well, it matters because Jesus was forsaken at the cross by his Father, and what that means is that God will never forsake you. If you believe in him. Jesus was cast out. And that means that God will never cast you out if you belong to him. Jesus ultimately was abandoned by God at the cross. So that you would never be abandoned by God ever again. For those who believe in him by faith. We'll close here. You've been coming. The past few weeks, and you've looked at the story of Samson, here's one thing you know for sure about Samson. He was a train wreck. You want to talk about a mess. Samson was a mess. He sleeps with prostitutes. He's a murderer. He's impulsive. He's arrogant and violent. He wants nothing to do with God over and over and over again. And thank goodness God is not like us. Thank goodness God is not like us. Because God doesn't give up on him. You know what we do with people like this? Again, we would never say this. We live in the South, but we'll say it in our hearts. They got themselves into this mess. They can get themselves out of this mess. That's what we say. It's not what God says. God doesn't write him off. Samson cries out and God shows up. I don't know what you brought into this room this morning. Maybe you feel like your life is a complete wreck. But I do know this, and you think there's no hope for you. If if God did not give up on Samson, then he's not going to give up on you. If God did not give up on Samson, there is nothing, nothing that you could possibly do to make him give up on you. You are never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. One of the things I ask myself as I'm preparing a sermon, one of the questions, I'll just step back after writing, I'll step back at 30,000 feet and I'll ask this question. Is what I'm about to communicate to God's people, to you, is that good news? 
Because the gospel is supposed to be good news. Is it good advice or is it good news? I don't know about you, but I think this is really good news, isn't it? And so maybe you find yourself in a mess. What do you do? Well, you hook into God's grace. You hook into God's mercy. How do you hook into God's mercy? You ask for it. Just like Samson asked for it. You admit that you're desperate. And you ask for mercy. And guess what? That is one cry that God loves to hear. Just try him. Try it. Ask God for mercy. And watch him show up. You see, it doesn't matter this morning whether or not you're a Christian. It doesn't matter if you've never stepped foot in a church. It doesn't matter on the other side if you've never missed a Sunday your entire life. The call of this passage for all of us, no matter whether you're having the best day of your life spiritually or the worst day, the call for us is to ask God for help and ask God for mercy. And He will respond. And you know, Oftentimes when we get in these situations in our lives, and I found this interesting, is we think we've got to clean ourselves up. We've got to get our life together. Then we can start going to church. Or then we can start going back to God and talking to Him and praying and actually reading our Bible. But did you notice where Samson is when he cries out? He's in a pagan temple. And he cries out to God for mercy. You see, we think we've got to clean ourselves up. You don't have to clean yourself up. That's God's job. Your job is to cry out. Wherever you are, in the midst of your own idolatry this morning, cry out to God for help. Will you come to Jesus this morning for mercy? That's an invitation. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your great mercy. Thank you for hearing desperate people. Thank you for hearing us in the middle of our mess. Would you forgive us this morning for our self-reliance? For thinking that the things that we've done in our lives and the good gifts that we have are a result of our doing. Lord, I pray that through your spirit you would help us to see all of life as a gift. All of life is a gift. Enable us through your spirit to cry out to you this morning when we feel maybe too weak to cry out. Help us to really believe that you're good and gracious and help us to really believe that you want to hear from us and that you hear the cry of desperate people. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.